together. I want to talk to you this morning about remembering revival. Remembering revival. And I want to read one verse from Deuteronomy 6, verse 12. This is what it says. Be careful not to forget the Lord who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. Now how amazing. With mighty miracles, God delivered the children of Israel out of the bondage they were in in the land of Egypt. Many, many miracles were performed. But my favorite miracle of all was the one where God split the Red Sea. And the children of Israel walked through on dry ground with a wall of water on both sides. I can't even imagine, can you? He just split the sea, a wall of water on both sides, and they walked right through that sea. They saw it all. They experienced it all. And now they're being told, be careful not to forget. Don't forget what the Lord has done. Don't forget the deliverance, the salvation that he brought to you. Now, my question is, how is that even possible? How is it that they could have experienced one of the greatest miracles of all times? And yet they would have to be told, don't forget what God has done. Could it be? that this verse is in the Bible because we, all of us, not just the children of Israel, but all of us are prone to forget. That we have a tendency to forget what God has done. Even after He saved us, even after He's delivered us, even after He's healed us, even after He's answered many prayers and performed miracles, If we're not careful, we will forget. And we need this scripture. Be careful not to forget. So this morning, what I want us to do is I want us to take a trip down memory lane. And I want us to remember the past. I want us to remember revival. I want us to be careful not to forget. Now, according to the Bible, this is something we should do on a regular basis. We we should spend time remembering what God has done. The Bible tells us in Isaiah 46, 9, it says, Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there's none like me. Remember the former things of old. Now, it is true that you'll find in the Scriptures that there are times when we need to forget the past. Even the Apostle Paul said, Forgetting those things which are behind, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And and we should never be, be trapped in the past 
But we do need to remember the past. Remember the former things of old. Here's Jeremiah 6.16. This is what the Lord says. Stop at the crossroads and look around. Ask for the old godly way and walk in it. Travel its path and you'll find rest for your souls. And then in Deuteronomy 32.7, it says, Remember the days of long ago. Think about the generations past. I love this part. Ask your father, and he will inform you. Inquire of your elders, and they will tell you. Every generation needs to be asking the fathers. Every generation needs to be asking the elders before they pass on. What did God do in your day? What happened? How did God move? Why do they need to be asking that question so that we can return to the past? No. They need to be asking that question because it will build faith in them. If God did it back then, he can do it again. If God moved powerfully in the past, certainly God can do it again. It it creates faith. So as we begin our journey, our story begins like this. This church was born in the fires of revival. Some of you may not know that, but it is true. This church was born in the fires of revival. Had it not been for revival, we would not be here today. There would be no river of life at all. There would be no dome in the center of this county. There would be no church on this property. We would still be the first Baptist church in Sopchapi had it not been for revival. Now, the revival didn't start here. It started somewhere else. On Father's Day, 1995, a revival broke out 220 miles away in Pensacola, Florida. Nine months later, on March the 19th, 1996, Brother Dallas Gray and another man were the first to go and bring back reports of a great revival. Now, friends, some have blamed me for what has happened over the last 20-some-odd years, but it's not my fault. It's Dallas's fault. He started it all. I don't know. I don't think he's here. We'll catch him next service. So uh, Dallas is the one responsible. He came back telling us all these crazy stories about a crazy revival and about how God was moving and mighty things were taking place. And I wanted no part of it. They tried and tried and tried to get me to go to the revival. And I said, no, no, no. No good Baptist boys got any business in an assembly of God church. I will not go. They pestered me so much that I finally said this. I tell you what I'll do. I'll pray about it. And if God tells me to go, I'll go. Be careful what you say, folks. It can get you in trouble. I actually did it, but I really didn't expect God to respond. I said, Lord, if you want me to go, I'll go. And I want to tell you, the Lord put this incredible desire in me to go to the revival And I tell you, I experienced 
the great outpouring of God's power and presence there like I had never experienced before. Brother Dallas said, and I quote, it was an awesome outpouring of God's Spirit. He went on to say, I always knew when I returned again, I could again experience God's Spirit being poured out on everyone, including me. Now, let me just stop here and ask a question, because I even asked myself this question early on. Why in the world would anybody get in a vehicle and drive three to four hours so that they could wait in line a couple more hours so they could get into a church and sit for one hour before the service even began and then in go through a three to four hour worship service and then turn around and drive back through the night to Wakala County. I tell you the truth, there were times when the day was breaking when I would be driving back into, into the county. Why would anybody do that? Well, friends, the answer to that question is this. When you're hungry enough for God, you'll go wherever it takes place, whenever it takes place. And I want you to know there was a hunger. And this church, now we were not River of Life at the time. We were the first Baptist church in Sopchapi. But there was a growing hunger. And it was amazing. Now I have so many stories I could tell you. I, I almost don't know where to start. The first one that comes to my mind was this. I decided, because we went to the revival in groups a lot of times, but I decided one night I would drive to Pensacola by myself, go to the revival, the church where the revival was taking place. But it was not a night for the revival to be uh, going on. It was their prayer meeting night. Because I knew if they were having a revival that, that was that powerful, there must be some mighty prayer going on. So, and I was thinking because they were having a prayer meeting, in my mind, I was thinking the pastor and the staff and some of the leaders and some of the elders will be there and I'll go join them and I'll get to speak with them and pray with them and I'll know a little bit more about this revival. When I got there and I walked through the doors, there was over a thousand people in that worship center crying out to the Lord. No preaching. No singing, no entertaining, just prayer. People were praying everywhere like I'd never heard people pray. It, 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 it was amazing. Well, it didn't take me long. I kind of fell into to the way they were praying. They had big banners up all over the building and I was moving around and I was praying at these banners and, and the banners were there just to remind people what to pray for. And they had one banner that was called a healing banner. Some of you remember that went to Brownsville. It says, by his stripes, we are healed. And at the bottom of the banner, they, they had the banner. It, it was just ribbons. They had, they had stripped it. So it was just ribbons, uh, red ribbons, uh, perhaps to remind us of what happened to his back. When by his stripes we were healed. Well, I got down on my face in front of that, that, that banner. 
And when I say I was on my face, I mean, I was stretched out on my face and I was praying for the for physical healing. I was praying for the healing of my church. I was praying for the healing of the nation. And then all of a sudden, something happened that was amazing. Somebody walked up to me and took a warm blanket and laid it down on top of me. I thought it would be rude to look up, so I didn't do that. But it felt so good. And there I was, I was praying, and I thought, man, this church has it together. Man, you hit the floor, somebody covers you up. They just, and and I, I am there, I am praying. And that blanket, I can't explain it, but that blanket felt so good that I didn't want to move. And I stayed there, and I stayed there, and I prayed and, and, and I, I just felt the presence of God. And finally, I stayed there so long. And hundreds of people were walking around me, stepping over me, going in their different directions. By this time, I have completely forgotten that I was a Baptist boy. And then after a while, I decided, I, I've got to get up. I didn't want to get up, but I've got to get up. And I rolled over to take the blanket off. And there was no blanket there. There had never been a blanket there. It was the blanket of the presence of the Holy Spirit that rested upon me. And I'm confident it wasn't just me that the power of God, even in that prayer service, was coming down on people. And it felt so good, I didn't want to leave. Every now and then, we pick this up from Brownsville. Have you ever been in a service, and the service is over here at River of Life, and people hang around, and Lonnie, we love you, Lonnie, you're the greatest man. And Lonnie locks everything up, and he goes back there, and he starts flashing the lights. When the lights start flashing, that means it's time to leave. Well, they did that at Brownsville. You don't want to leave. Once you got in there, you didn't want to leave because you could feel the presence of God. I I, I tell you, it was so hard for me to leave that prayer meeting night. So many things happened there. I remember after I'd attended four or five times or more, I was concerned about another pastor in the county and I wanted him to go with me. And so I invited him. I said, will you go with me to Brownsville? And he said, no, I will not go. And, and I just want to throw this in, folks. You do not have to be afraid of the Holy Spirit. I, I'll tell you what you have to be afraid of, and you should be afraid. You should be afraid of anybody who tells you what the Holy Spirit can and can't do. That's what you should be afraid of. Don't be afraid of the Holy Spirit. And I said, man, I want you to go to Brownsville with me. I care about you. I, I said, I believe God will touch you. I believe it will make a difference in your life. And finally, after a while, I talked him into going. And he got there. He was nervous on the way. He didn't enjoy the service. Um, He was very uncomfortable. And and then as the service was coming to a close and they were getting ready to pray for people, he made his exit. I saw him head to the back of the church to hit the hallway to go around to the door. And he got away from me, and I I was trying to get to him. And those of you who were there, you know how... It was with the crowds. And when I finally got to him, he was on the floor. Somebody had walked by him. I don't know who it was. Somebody had walked by him and just reached over and touched him on the head. And when they did, he hit the floor and he was shaking in the power of God. 
He got up and all he could talk about was what God had done to him that night. How God had touched him. Well, friends, I got to tell you, it, it really was amazing. And the fires of revival soon spread to our church there in Sopchapi. And amazing things started happening. Many of you remember we had Monday night prayer services where we'd have 60 and 70. By the way, if a thousand in Pensacola is a large number, 60 or, seven and 60 or 70 in Sopchapi was a large number. And, and man, those prayer services would go on and they were so powerful. Now, why am I telling you this? Be careful not to forget. Don't forget what God has done in your life. In this church, we started having solemn assemblies where we would go into times of deep repentance. Uh, We would have prayer vigils and times of prayer and fasting. Sometimes the whole church, we did this on numerous occasions, sometimes the whole church would be called into a week of prayer and fasting. How long has it been since you fasted all week long? And, And we would... We, we got so inspired by the touch of God there that we started pursuing God here. Uh, we would fast all week long. And I remember on several of those uh, occasions, uh, Linda Stavi and the kitchen crew, we would plan services to come off the fast. The whole church would be called into a fast. And at the end of that seven days, we would meet in the fellowship hall. We'd usually have a little worship service and then we would go into the fellowship hall and they would cook uh, potato soup. Just real bland potato soup. Friends, I want to tell you, when you haven't had anything to eat all week long, potato soup is like filet mignon. I still remember that to be the best potato soup I've ever had in my life. It was absolutely awesome awesome. Uh, We had those prayer vigils and and, and we had things that happened that were not necessarily nice, but somehow the confirmation of God would be on those things. We had a group of people that got upset and they pulled out of the church and they left. And listen to this, the very next Sunday, 14 people joined the church. You, You see, when the Spirit of God moves in, some people will move out. There are people in, a, in churches that will pray for revival and they want revival until revival shows up. And when revival shows up, they're gone. But I want you to know there are more out there that are hungry for a move of God. That long to be in a church that's hungry for more of the Lord. On one Sunday, we had 18 professions of faith. 18 people got saved on one Sunday morning. By the way, friends, there is a correlation between prayer meetings and passionate pursuit of God and the number of people who were coming to Christ. There's a correlation there. We, we had 30 days of extravagant devotion. You know what that means? We opened the church for 30 days every night and we prayed. Friends, we need to be careful not to forget. I want to ask you, when God touched your life, when God healed you, when God saved you, when God delivered you out of something, have you forgotten that? Be careful not to forget. Now, since we're going down 
memory lane, I decided I shouldn't be the only one communicating with the congregation. So I, I, I asked, I don't know, maybe 10 or 12 people to just reflect back on our beginnings when the Brownsville revival happened and then when we uh, caught it in Sopchoppy and, and, and what it meant to them. I, I'll begin, if Dallas Gray is not the one to blame, then the next one in line would be Wade Hilton. Those two. And Brother Dallas, I think you just slipped in a moment ago, but uh, I, I, I told the congregation this is all your fault. Uh, th- this is what Wade said. And these are his words, not mine. He says, what I remember most about the Brownsville revival was the amazing number of salvations. They recorded 200,000 salvations. 200,000 people got saved. People came from 37 different countries of the world. 200,000 got saved. Millions of Christians got inspired and touched and revived. Wade went on to say that the testimonies from those being baptized, every Friday night they baptized the converts. And And the way they baptized converts was this. And that is that Everybody that got baptized, we don't do this. Maybe we should do this. But when they baptized, when you went into the baptistry, before you could get baptized, you had to give a testimony of what Jesus had done for you. If you couldn't give a testimony of what God had done in your life, you had no business being baptized. And so so those Friday night services would last for hours. But it wasn't boring because the presence of God was there. Child of God, listen to me. Hurry is the death of prayer and hurry is the death of revival. If you're in a hurry, you're not in the presence of God. Because when you get in God's presence, you don't have to be in a hurry. And I want to tell you what's wrong with most of the churches in America, and we may be included in this. We're in too big a hurry to be still and know that He is God. Wade said he liked the baptismal services on Friday night. And then Wade said that one of the things he liked about the Brownsville Revival is he said, my pastor receiving something from the Lord that would never fade away. Now, first of all, I want to complain about Wade just a moment. Because I went over there and I sat through that service and I was trying to get out. I don't want to be a part of that prayer service. And he did this. This I'm not making this up. He's sitting back in the back. If he tells you otherwise, he needs to repent. <laughs> he got behind me and put his hands in my back and pushed me all the way down front. Now, I thought that was rude, didn't you? But when I got down there, Steve Hill, the evangelist, laid his hands on me. I've never been the same since. Thank you, Wade. Thank you for not doing the polite thing. By the way, friends, I want to tell you something. We've got some family members that are going to die and go to hell, and their lives are going to be ruined if we don't have some holy boldness and figure out a way to get them to Jesus. We might need to do some pushing. But anyway, Wade pushed me down the aisle and then the Lord pushed me down on the floor. 
So uh, I, I, I do, wait, I need to correct you on one thing, though. He said something from the Lord that would never fade away. I, I fear that some of it has faded. I, I think I need to be careful not to forget. But thank you for saying those words. Janice Parker said, I was struck by how strong the spirit of conviction was in the sanctuary. The overwhelming call to hit my knees in repentance. There were those who criticized the Brownsville revival by saying it was all hype and feelings and something worked up and manifestations. But I want to tell you, friends, that kind of stuff does not convict you of your sins. Man, if you went into Brownsville and you had unrepented sins in your heart, you wanted to get on your face. You wanted to get under the carpet. The presence of God was so strong there. Janice was right. My daughter, Carolyn Lewis, said, Brownsville is a marker in my life, much like marriage and parenthood. What I experienced there cannot be undone or undervalued. Dale Litchfield said, it was for real, all right. It opened my Baptist eyes to see the fact that there is more. I, I don't want to insult the Baptist, and I don't want to insult you here at River of Life. But friends, if you ever come to the point where you think you've received everything God's got, the enemy has deceived you. There's always more. There's always more. Our worship leader, Priscilla Lewis, says, Brownsville changed my life. I am not the same. It opened my eyes to the realness of the Holy Spirit and the power he has to change my life and the lives of those around me. Sister Diane Gray said, At Brownsville, I received a complete physical healing and a great hunger to read his word. Sounds like revival, doesn't it? Betty Fusco said, Brownsville, I attended many times. Each time I was struck by awe and wonder. I came away with a deep thirsting for more of the Lord. Though that was several years ago, I am still driven by that thirst. For those of you who were there, do you remember? Be careful not to forget. And maybe you didn't go to Brownsville, but I have to believe that somewhere in your life, God has touched you powerfully and deeply. Be careful not to forget. Pastor Chuck Coburn said, Brownsville introduced me to the Holy Spirit, which changed my entire life and love for the Lord that cannot be defined or described with words, only experienced and embraced. Linda Stavi said, it was a place where I could go and soak in the presence and spirit of the Lord. I ask you, church, wouldn't you like for this to be a church where people would know that if they just show up, they'll be able to soak in the presence of God. Sister Margaret Hilton said, standing in line, hoping for a seat, waiting anxiously for praise and worship to begin, excited for what was to come in the hours ahead. So many people not wanting to leave. We didn't want to miss anything. Oh, friends. But it wasn't just what happened there. 
It was what was happening at our church after Brownsville. The the fires that sprang up there were spreading. It touched our church. It touched the way we worshipped. It touched the way I preached. It it, it moved on our congregation. It changed lives forever. I've got one more testimony, and this one is on video, and I would like for you to listen to Reed Uberman talk about how it touched his life. I strolled through the doors of River of Life in February of 2001 and I really didn't know what to expect because I had just gotten out of high school and back in those days, even if I get in trouble, I'm going to go ahead and say it, River of Life was known by high school kids as as the weird church. Um, And you know how high school kids are, so needless to say, I didn't know what to expect as I was coming to church that day and I was raised in mostly mainline denominational churches my whole life and River of Life was a interdenominational church. So I, I come to church that morning and the first thing I see as I come through the doors is I see grown men on their knees, lifting their hands, crying out to God with tears streaming down their face. Um, I'd never seen anything like that before. I even walked past a young girl that I knew from high school. She was a year older than me, but her name was, well, now is Jennifer Carey. And I saw Jennifer lifting her hands and worshiping God. And I remember thinking to myself, boy, it's, it's almost like they can see God. It was so foreign to me because church was like, when do we get out of here? I'd never met people who actually enjoyed going to church and you people at River of Life You're crazy. You love the Lord and you enjoy going to church and it's the best kind of crazy on the planet. And and I'll tell you why it was a good kind of crazy that morning, because when I saw those people that day and especially Jennifer, I thought to myself, boy, these guys got something I don't and I'm missing something in my relationship with with God. And so it didn't take long for Pastor Henry to preach like he always does, amazing, and uh, for me to run to the altar that morning and to experience Christ in a powerful way that uh, changed my life and set me on a course to ministry. I'll never forget Tim Carey, who was probably 18 at that point in time, uh, on one side, and some of you guys know Tim, um, and of course some of you guys probably know the dude that was on my other side, William Strickland. And uh, I think Bill Rollins was was behind me. So those men of God were praying for me as I prayed to receive Christ that morning. And man, I'll remember hugging William till probably the day that I die because it was like it was felt like literally like hugging God. Don't let that get to your head, William, if you're watching this. But but it was literally like the best hug I've ever had in my life because Jesus had come into my heart and just absolutely changed my life. And, and, And I experienced him in such a profound way. That, uh, that, it, that it set me on a course to ministry and brought me to where I am today. Amen. Be careful not to forget. I remember. And by the way, friends, you know you've been in revival when 20 years later people are still talking about that defining moment in their lives. And, and, and that's, what, that's what this is all about. Be careful not to forget, because I got to tell you, I, I heard Reed do this. He did it on a Wednesday night experience a, a couple months ago, and it stirred me up then. He was remembering, and it was stirring me up. Be careful not to forget. I, I tell you, I want more. I want to see God move. 
I want to see young men walk into this church, get under conviction from the moment they walk through the doors, get saved and called into the ministry and give their whole lives to Christ like Reed Uberman. I, I, I want to see God do what he's done in the past. To be honest with you, I want to see God do what he's done in the past and do more than he's done in the past. But remembering what he has done inspires me to believe that he can do it again and even more even better. I I can't deal with Brownsville Revival and River of Life without putting this in there. I want to tell you something that you need to know about revival. It happened at Brownsville and it happened in our church in the early days. Here it is. When you have revival, I'm talking about real revival. Weird people show up. I'm talking weird. Weird, weird people walk through the doors. And most of the time, that's all it takes to end a revival because churches don't like weird people in their building. We don't like weird people. Well, let me tell you what I've learned about weird people. There's a lot of weird people out there that are longing for revival just as much as those of us who think we're normal. And I don't mean to burst your bubble, but you're kind of weird also. Do you know how you define weird? Weird is when somebody's not like you. And friends, one of the problems with the church is we've become so homogenized. We all look alike. We act alike. And most churches of America, it's been said that the church is the most segregated place in America. And it's true. And and friends, I want you to know that God loves us. But He loves all those weird people out there that don't look like us. He does. God loves those odd people out there. Do you hear me? He loves the rejects. He loves the eccentrics. He loves the loner. He loves the loser. He loves the lost and forgotten. He loves the addicted. He loves those who have been, who are being held captive. He loves the up and outers. He loves the down and outers. God loves them all. And when the Spirit of the living God moves in and spreads out on a community, The Spirit of the Lord doesn't just draw those into the church who look like us. The Spirit of the Lord draws people in because He loves everybody. He loves them so much He wants to save them and change them. And friends, it is a horrible thing when the Spirit of God draws somebody because He loves them and He wants to change them and they walk into our church and we reject them because they don't look like us or sound like us or act like us. God have mercy on our souls. You want some scripture to back this up? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You see, when revival comes, the Lord draws people from everywhere. It happened at Brownsville. Those are the craziest people I've ever been around in my life. 
but it was also exciting. It was wonderful. Now, friends, when the enemy is having his way, listen carefully now, when the enemy is having his way, people will be separated. They will polarize. People will... We were seeing it yesterday. People will get out in the streets and shout ugly things to one another. Oh, God have mercy. When, when, when the enemy has his way, people get angry on Facebook. By the way, if you're a member of this church, please hear me. Please don't embarrass this church or the kingdom of God by ranting and raving and venting your anger on Facebook. Move your membership if you're going to do that. I'm serious. If you can't, if you can't embrace the love of God, move your membership to another church. Don't embarrass us. Don't embarrass the kingdom of God. God's got a bigger plan. Don't be polarized. Don't be divided. Don't shout ugly things at people. Listen, when God has his way and revival breaks out, People will lay down their differences. People will forgive one another. People will stand at the altar side by side and worship God. People who wouldn't even speak to others before God showed up. When God shows up, revival breaks out. We need to make up our minds, don't we? Do we want what the world's offering now or do we want what God has done in the past? Do we want him to do it again? Do we want to see revival? Real revival. Be careful not to forget. Lord, I'm hungry. Are you hungry? Lord, I'm hungry for a mighty move of God. Lord, I'm thirsty. Pour out your Holy Ghost. Lord, I want to see the hand of God move mightily inside of me. Lord, I'm hungry for a move of God. Would you pray with me, please? Our Heavenly Father, we bow before you right now. Oh, Lord. Lord, I want to remember. I want to be careful not to forget. And I fear that I have forgotten so much. But Lord, I know that you can stir us up. I know that you can do a mighty work within us. I know, Lord. I know, Lord, you can do in this church what you've done in the past and even greater works than that. Lord, I'm asking you right now to stir every one of us up. Lord, I know that revival's probably not going to come to this church overnight or in one service like this, but Lord, could, would you please let this be the beginning of a hunger and thirst for a fresh new move of God in our lives and our families and in this community. Do your work, Lord. Help us to remember. Help us to not forget what you've done for us. Lord, we pray not only for River of Life, but I pray for every church in this county that you'll do a mighty work, a mighty work, and set this county on fire for the glory of God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.